0: Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, through your only son, you overcame death and opened to us the light of eternity. Enlighten our minds and kindle our hearts with the presence of your spirit, that we may hear your words of comfort and challenge in the reading of the scriptures through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Hear these words. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she replied, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them. I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And then she told them what he said to her, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: What do you think is required for uh, success? in life and I'm not talking about success like a fortune 500 company I'm talking about success like personal success kinda to be really successful huge like a a global individual phenomenon so consider this question for a moment what do you think is necessary for your child to have sort of that success in life what are the necessary ingredients in that uh, success stew if you will Uh, what are the things that you need to be in the mix we would agree we would agree on a few things probably Probably a stable home environment, however that looks, right? You don't want to change too much, just a stable home environment. A stable national uh, kind of political system. You don't want sort of like regimes toppling. It's not really good for success. Uh, you know, you, you want to just be nice, even keep, keep the pace. A good education, right? Maybe a good education would help set your child up for success. It'd be a good thing. Uh, a good amount of opportunities, right? We might call this a social network that is available to them because of their own friends, Or maybe our own affiliates. Uh, And lastly, I think we would want just like a little bit of adversity. Right? A little bit of adversity makes someone successful. You have too much adversity, it's kind of like fertilizer, right? Just the right amount. Like too much and it just squashes them. But just a little bit, then all of a sudden they just overcome it and they blossom and bloom. And it's beautiful. So with that in mind, consider for a moment, if God were to come down to earth, if God were to come down to earth, uh, where would be the most advantageous place for this deity to reside? Uh, I would suggest uh, that Jesus should have incarnated in China and not Israel. All right. Now, uh, some of you are looking at me like you're like, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to build my case here on why. And when, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, uh, God, really, you you, you, you missed a great opportunity here. Um, you chose Israel. I'm not entirely sure why you chose this downtrodden piece of backwater uh, dirt. You should have chose China. It was, it was a much better uh, opportunity for you. Here's why. Uh, paper, as early as 202 BC, printing press as early as 650, gunpowder as early as 11th century. The compass was being pioneered as early as 200 BC and acupuncture as early as 200 BC. Better medium for the gospel transmission and better medicine. This is this is this is right. This is what you should do for success. Jesus should have incarnated in China and Jesus should have appeared to men, right? Uh, uh, uh. Hopefully wealthy men It would have made more sense right these people have large influence They could have networked Jesus with all the right people to get the gospel going right when like oh, yeah Jesus meet my friend mr R- R- Rockefeller he's a great guy uh, He'll give you some uh, some money to get that thing you call the gospel going it's gonna be good right this, but this is not how It all panned out as we know right so I mean if I was God which I'm not just to clarify and you can thank God uh, I would have uh, incarnated in China, and I would have appeared to, to landed influential, wealthy men because that would have got things going much faster. I would have made all the right moves. I would have connected with all the right people. I would have uh, connected you know, with all the people who knew the right people, who had the right business connections, who had the right accounts, who could really invest in me. And so it comes as a surprise. Uh, as, uh, as I've journeyed through Holy Week, as I've read these stories with you, uh, that we enter the season of Eastertide, I find it improbable that it begins with a woman. The remarkable story is actually accounted for in all the Gospels. All the witnesses to Jesus' life and ministry tell uh, tells the story and report that the first person to witness the power of the empty tomb, the power of the resurrection, the first person to hear about jesus victory over the grave is mary it's mary so before we hop into this series and before we look at this kind of through the eyes of mary i want to talk about where we're headed in this series we're going to begin sort of at the beginning of the story jesus appears to mary and then something kind of happens it's unexplainable she doesn't know what to do with the information Uh, and then we're going to jump to uh, jesus appearing on this road to these folks on this way to, uh, on, on to the way to Emmaus. And they talk and they don't really recognize they're talking to Jesus. And then we're gonna move to this scene uh, outside of a lake and Jesus is on the beach and he's uh, cooking fish and bread for breakfast. Maybe that's your thing, I don't know. That's what Jesus is doing. And the disciples, he calls them over. And Jesus has a very serious, hard conversation with Peter. And then we're going to end, you might recall the story where the disciples are in this locked room and all of a sudden Jesus appears and Thomas says, you know, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hand in the side where he's pierced. And then he does so and Thomas says, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What do you do when you encounter something that's unexplainable? And it begins to sort of work in you and transform you. How do you take that experience and share that story with other people? It's a challenging step. So we start with Mary because this is where it begins. She sets the tone for these encounters. And if this were a play, the stage is set, right? They followed Jesus around for the better part of three years. He taught, he healed, he worked miracles, and now he is dead. Mary comes to the tomb. The disciples, typified as 12, have all fled and abandoned the cause. The women remain. Now, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. This is probably my favorite photo of Mary. Mary's often depicted as sort of this Caucasian woman. I don't know why. Uh, She's very kind of sensuously drawn. Uh, It's really hard to find a a graphic, a a picture of Mary that probably best represented who Mary was. So we need to uncover a little bit about this Mary Magdalene character. Some would say, right, it's kind of in pop culture that she uh, was a, a lady of the night that she participated in maybe the oldest profession. Uh, but as you read the text more and more, uh, Jesus encountered many prostitutes. And they're always sort of just kind of blankly stated like that. When he encounters Mary Magdalene, the word prostitute is never found attached to her name. There is no evidence to suggest that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. You kind of read the text differently when you go, oh, I, I guess I didn't really, I thought that, but now I'm kind of seeing it. It's not in the Bible. Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. She's from the Galilean town of Magdala and the modern day Migdal, right? If this is Israel here, right? You have the Sea of Galilee at the top. You have the river Jordan, which means descender and it ends in the Dead Sea, right? Now, okay, good geography, good. And then up here next to the Sea of Galilee, right on this little border province is Migdal. That's it, it's not known for anything. Except for Mary Magdalene. It's, it's, it's beautiful scenery. I'm sure there's a nice bed and breakfast there. You can check it out sometime. But that's where she's from. It's not from some fancy, you know, huge palace. Just from Migdal. And then uh, something else we need to consider is that in the early, uh, when I was in high school, it was a while ago, uh, Dan Brown came out with, uh, I forget which book it was, maybe The Da Vinci Code or the one before that or the one after it. Right. And there's all this sort of thing going around about how Mary and Jesus had a thing and maybe they were m- married. Mary was married right to Jesus and they had like little Christs, even though that wasn't <laughs> Jesus's last name. And, you know, all the little Christs are running around today and you can track Jesus's lineage. Uh, there's no evidence to support that sells lots of books, right? makes a good movie. But there's no evidence in our holy scriptures to support that. So Mary Magdalene, right, not a lady of the night from a n- province next to the lake. And then uh, not married to Jesus, according to our scriptures, right? And then lastly, and this is huge, is that Mary is defined by this term. This is a Greek word, akalatheo, and it means disciple, right? So I was in youth ministry for uh, about 14 years or so, and you can always ask youth a great question, and it's a trick question. I'm going to ask the congregations, how many disciples did Jesus have? 13. Wrong. How many disciples did Jesus have? The answer is 12, right? Everyone says 12, right? 12, 13? No, we don't know, right? <laughs> That's the answer. We don't know. And oftentimes we think that, you know, there's like Peter, James, and John, and all these guys. But the word for disciple is akalatheo. It means in the beginning of John, right? Jesus approaches them and they dropped their nets and they akalatheo Jesus. They discipled after Jesus. They followed after Jesus. Whenever Mary Magdalene's name is mentioned, this word is associated with it. Mary Magdalene, Ocala Theod, Jesus, the same as James, the same as Peter, the same as John, the same as Mark. Jesus had female disciples. They followed Jesus. There are women in the upper room in Acts when the Holy Spirit comes. Mary's there, Jesus' mother. Mary Magdalene is gathering with the 12 typified men. An occlethion, Jesus, they are all there as disciples. And the Holy Spirit pours out on the disciples of Jesus. Mary Magdalene was an apostle. She was a disciple of Jesus. The change is the way that we typically view this story changes the way that we encounter this woman who is Mary. Now this sermon is uh, not a sermon on the role of women uh, in scripture, and it's not a sermon on the role of women as disciples of Jesus. I'm sure that sermon will come later on uh, in my tenure. Just hang on for it. Uh, But what we should take away from this are a few key things. One, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. The text tells us that women were disciples of Jesus And the text tells us that Mary Magdalene was one of these 12 disciples, one of the 12, right, disciples, with the same word, akalatheo, that it uses to describe Peter, James, John, Mark, and the others. Mary is an apostle of Jesus. And that just sets the stage, and that introduces us to this often misunderstood character, this Mary Magdalene. I think there's a lot to unpack in this passage that we heard Pastor Peter read, and it demands our attention this morning. So notice a few things, and maybe you'll notice them now, maybe with new eyes and new ears. You'll first recall that when Mary is out of the tomb, she encounters Jesus, and John says, thinking him the gardener, right? John does this all the time with language. The, the author of the Gospel of John will use a word, and it, and it calls us back to something else either in John's own book or in the whole of scripture thinking him, the gardener John is pointing us back. When was the time when people were in the garden, when they were walking with the gardener, when they encountered a gardener, when the gardener was Adam, if you recall, the first thing interested to him is to care for and tend for the, the garden. John is, is using that word to sort of call us back to say, you remember that time when humanity walked with God? Mary in the garden, walking with God incarnate. Jesus is right in front of her and she does not recognize him. She, she thinks he's the gardener. John is, is calling us back to this echo of Genesis that where Adam failed... Jesus succeeds. Where Adam failed, Jesus succeeds. The second is that Jesus calls Mary by name. Right? They have a couple, uh, like a little, she's like, you know, if you've taken the body, if you know where the body's gone, you, can you just tell me where it's at and I'll take care of it? And she still doesn't get it. And then he says, Mary. And then she goes, teacher, I did not know it was you. John does this again, right? In John chapter 10, hear these words. Jesus says, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follows him because they know his voice. And one chapter later, in John chapter 11, Jesus is a little late and he arrives at this tomb and Lazarus is dead inside. And Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. It's only when Lazarus hears his name spoken by the Lord that he comes out of the tomb. It's only when Mary hears the Lord call her by name that she recognizes that it's the Lord. Mary is being called to new life by the call of her name. As Lazarus was called to new life out of the tomb. We, as the sheep, are called to follow the shepherd because we know the voice of the Father. This new voice summons Mary to new life. Third is Mary cannot make sense of the tomb, right? She petitions the gardener who is Jesus for the body, and she thinks she can solve the problem. She's like, okay, just tell me where the body is. I'll take care of it. The only way to make sense of the unexplainable is with a logical explanation. Well, clearly uh, the grave must have just been robbed. And so if you just, you know, we can solve this, we'll get the body back, it'll be fine. And so notice after all the suspecting him as the gardener, Jesus asks this question. The first words spoken by the resurrected, resurrected Christ are whom are you looking for? Whom are you looking for, Mary? Again, John does this with language, he kind of calls up things in us. The first words in the gospel of John that Jesus speaks, right? John the Baptist, his disciples are there and he says, what are you looking for? The first words in Jesus' ministry, what are you looking for? The first words that Jesus speaks as a resurrected king says, who are you looking for? Who and what are you looking for? Full stop right here. The mark of discipleship is that you are looking for Jesus. The mark of discipleship in our life is that we are looking for Jesus. Mary is about to become an apostle to the apostles, an evangelist to the evangelists, a preacher to those who would preach. She's about to encounter something that is unexplainable and come face to face with her own grief, which is the loss of her teacher. She's about to come face to face with her own calling, She is a disciple, and she's about to come face-to-face with an encounter with the risen Lord. But she is looking for Jesus, and she can't find him. And how often have we been looking for Jesus? He's right in front of us, and we can't find him either. And so Christ calls her by name to encounter her grief, calls her by name to encounter her calling, and calls her by name to encounter her God. The unexplainable then becomes the probable. The risen Lord, the the resurrected Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords appears to a woman, comforts her, and then sends her out, entrusting her with the most important news in all of human history ever, bar none. She's entrusted to tell the disciples that the Lord is risen, that death could not hold him, that death is defeated, that redemption is here, Hosanna and that the King is among us today. There's so much happening at the start of the story that if we aren't careful, we miss it. The improbable becomes the only way that God works. The improbable becomes the only way that God works. The marginalized are given a stage. The weak are made strong and the grieving find comfort. Mary is given the story to tell and Jesus, Jesus demands that the good news come from the voice of someone who never gets to share good news. You don't have to have a a fancy degree. You don't have to be ordained to ministry. You don't have to have been a Christian for ages upon ages. The only thing you need to tell the story of this unexplainable event is an encounter with God. If God has been made real in your life, you have a story to tell. And if God has shown up in your life, you have a story to tell. If you've suffered and grieved like Mary, you have a story to tell. If God has done something and you can't explain it, you have a story to tell. And so maybe this week, ask someone their story. Hear someone else's story. Ask them about the role that faith plays in their life. And so may we be like Mary. May we have the courage that we don't necessarily have to have all the training, have all the words, have all the answers, but that something happened. It might be difficult to explain, but I'm compelled because it's stirring up inside of me that I have to share this story of my encounter with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.